Welcome to the Double Loop Podcast, your source for everything about fingerprints. While you're working on your comparisons, we'll talk about comparisons. I'm Eric Ray. And I'm Glenn Langenberg. Hey, Glenn. It's been a while, huh? It has, sir. How are you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Let's let's start. Let's get some business out of the way. Important business, right? Dad joke, and uh, then we can move on to some other stuff. Final, final dad joke of the cycle. We're going to move into something else here soon. So, Glenn, what is the difference between a filthy mass transit hub and a crab with breast implants? <laughs> I don't know where to begin on that one. I don't know, Eric. Why don't you tell me? Well, one is a crusty bus station, and the other is a... Busty crustacean. Busty crustacean. <laughs> I like it. No, I really, really like that one. That, that's quite good. Thank you. And uh, I was at the gym the other day, and a guy asked me if I could spot him, and I said, yeah, you're right there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding, because obviously I don't go to the gym. That's, um, that's one of the daddest dad jokes we've had in quite a while. That is pretty dad. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of dads, guess what, Eric? Oh, boy. Uh, chicken butt? Uh, no, but oh, okay. uh, close. Uh, I actually was talking to my father, and my okay. father surprised me by saying he'd been listening to the podcast. I didn't, First of all, I didn't know he knew that it existed. He had come across it, and he had been listening, and he really enjoys it. And he, he, I, he might be a little in love with your voice. He thinks you've got a <laughs> – I don't know if it was a compliment or not, but he did say you have the voice for radio and podcast. So he, he, uh, seems, uh, he seems to really like the baritoneness of your voice. I tried to explain to him that that's our Barry White filter because normally you sound like Alvin the Chipmunk, but it's we just run <laughs> it through that Barry White filter and it gives you that little baritone. Yeah, totally. We have a, a few new patrons and just want to mention them. So big thank you to patrons uh, L, Mary, and I, I think this might be you know the guy you just mentioned, Jim Langenberg. What? <laughs> oh wow! That well, shout out to my dad. What up, pops? That's that's actually, that's really cool. Thank, thanks, Dad. Oh, I'm all verklempt. I, I had assumed that, uh, with, when you had mentioned him in the podcast that he may have also let that slip in as well, that he became a patron. But uh, I'm glad I was able to surprise you with that. Yeah, he, he did not mention that. So that's actually <laughs> really, that's really cool. It just kind of caught me off guard. And he was kind of saying that he liked, uh, he, uh, liked the OJ episodes and a lot of the more accessible episodes, some of the true sure. crime ones. Uh, he had a really nice compliment for us. It was basically, you guys get really technical sometimes, but even the layperson can still kind of follow enough. And just when it gets too out of my depth, you guys bring it right back and explain it really well and then move on to another, to another thing. So, I guess even lay people, listeners, never really feel that lost listening to us sure. drone on about error rates and statistics and likelihood ratios and all that boring stuff, Eric. Well, I mean, and like we've talked about before, you know, my brother's been listening since the beginning of all this, and you know, he's not in this, this field at all. Uh, true. He's an engineer. That is and, true. Um, and but uh, you got a chance here a couple weeks ago to meet my little brother. I sure did. <laughs> I had a chance to meet your brother and your son. We need to tell listeners about that, and they should understand that this episode is going to be a little more relaxed because we're yeah. cycling into some episodes that we were kind of putting together. This one is just kind of a chill episode, catching up for you and I, catching listeners up. We have a whole bunch of recordings that we're starting to uh, get ready to start dropping on a more regular schedule. Some really, actually really cool stuff, including this amazing interview and case study that is coming up over the next few episodes. So, yeah, this one's a little more relaxed. So, yeah, Eric, why don't you tell the listeners a little personal story and adventure that we had where I had a chance to meet uh, your family. Yeah, so in Arizona, starting in the 50s, at some point in the mid to early 50s, there's this group with Motorola and uh, the IEEE, which is like an engineering professional organization. They started this treasure hunt in, in Arizona, and it's been going for 70 years. And it's somewhat amazing uh, because it's not, it's not like run by anybody. It's not like it's run by the IEEE or Motorola. It's just this kind of self-perpetuating machine because if you win the treasure hunt, then you are obligated to be on the committee to plan the next three treasure hunts. <laughs> 
Yeah, that that's the real kicker. Everyone everyone would ask, well, what's the prize? What what's this amazing <laughs> treasure hunt prize? A chest of gold, perhaps? Or no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's an insane amount of work with no pay for three years. Yeah, <laughs> the honor of serving the committee for three years and torturing right. other fellow treasure hunters. So the treasure hunt, it's kind of a a mix between like puzzle solving and geocaching, but not really either of them. Uh, you're, you're given a clue and, um, you have to then decipher the clue and figure out the solution to this particular puzzle. And the solution of what you're working on should point you on this giant map of North Phoenix and North Scottsdale. There's like 200 little circles with a bunch of different symbols in them. And it should point you to one of these symbols. And then you have to drive there and hope that you're correct and that at that location is then the next clue. And then you decipher that and that should point you to another symbol on this map and you drive there and you continue on that for five hours, racing across the half desert, half populated parts of, of North Phoenix. And, uh, and that's, that's it. That's the whole thing. So it's a mixture of some of our hands-on puzzles. Like a few years ago, there was like this uh, pipe with holes in it. So you had to know ahead of time using the hint sheet to bring a gallon of water and then pour it into this funnel and everyone holds the pipe to plug up the holes and then it fills up another pipe at the end which makes a, uh, a ping pong ball rise to the surface and then you can look at the, the symbols stamped onto the ping pong ball and that's the location to go to next or much more a mix of like pop culture and nerd stuff so like one of the ones that we had this year that we missed was was really tough. It was it was two numbers with a dash in between. So it was one 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 one, and then zero 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 dash zero 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 one. They're both twelve digit uh, numbers. Well, if you want to figure it out, pause it. Try to figure this one out. It relates to pop culture. It relates to being able to translate between binary and decimal and hexadecimal and uh, ASCII code and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I mean, listeners should understand that prior to this, you get all of these different like clues and hints, and lots of them have nothing to do with the actual puzzles, but they do tell you you need to have a calculator that can do like graphing, that can convert binary to hexadecimal or ASCII 2 or these other engineering languages. Because remember, so started by engineers and yes. coders and computer nerds. So there's all kinds of inside binary or prime number stuff and math and Fibonacci code and pop culture references. There was like a Morse code puzzle. Yet uh, We had to look up and, and uh, know semaphore. There's all these crazy things they give you a warning in advance and one of the ones was what erica just said was this number system that kind of looked like it could have been binary it looked like a binary like number so we we had already started trying to think about well let's what can we convert it to and the listeners can pause now if they want and try to figure out for themselves but uh we did end up converting it to hexadecimal so we were on the right track Right. So then we're on the right track. We just didn't put all the pieces together. So what you're supposed to then see is that that first number, uh, four ones and then eight zeros, translates in hexadecimal to F00. F00. And the second number just is just a one, right? Because right. it's 15, or 11 zeros followed by a one. You then would try to think pop culture. F00 looks very similar to foo. So foo minus one referring to the drummer from the Foo Fighters that uh, that died of a drug overdose earlier this year. And then uh, since he was the drummer, that then takes you to the symbol on the map that's a set of drums. Right. So it's this kind of, it's not even just a single puzzle. It's like a chain of puzzles each time to, to get to the thing. But anyway, we had a blast. Glenn flew in specific just for, for that. Cause I did. We've been, I've been telling him about this for years, and finally he was like, I want to do it. <laughs> One of my favorite ones was actually the Top Gun puzzle because it required everybody. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll tell that one really quickly. It yeah, was, that's a good one. It was this um, sheet of all these different actors from Top Gun, and there were just these spaces. 
and you basically had to know their call signs. Now, you can use your phone and look things up, but you have to like recognize the actor in the first place, or at least try to find images, and you basically only had about 15 to 20 minutes per puzzle. And they had even given us a warning, you might want to check out the new movie, Top Gun Maverick. So we had already prepared for this. So we actually kind of flew through that puzzle, got all the call signs in fairly quickly, all their names, Maverick, Iceman, Cyclone, Warlock, like all, I mean, and not they weren't just all the common ones, Phoenix, uh, yeah. Payback. Uh, anyway, all these different ones, we get them all in, and then it's just a, there were 10 of them, and then there's one letter that's underlined in each of the different call signs, and I'm just looking at it, and it's like a string of letters, M, P, E, I, N, O, and I'm like, it doesn't make any sense, and then Eric had the genius idea, no, no, it, it's an anagram, so he pulls up an anagram solver, enters these 10 letters in, and then it, it rearranges to palindrome, like, okay, palindrome, so then we look at the map, and we're looking for a palindrome. Can't find anything on the map. There's one circle that was a Highway 101. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't feel right. No one no one felt right about it. But then I started thinking, and I, I don't know, maybe I was the only one that had seen the movie Maverick. But I, I think I'm like, maybe you might have been the only one. Yeah, I, and I said, you know, I think there's a call sign in the movie that's a palindrome. And Heather was like, yeah, it's right here. And she had like a list of them. She's like, no, there it is. Call sign Bob. And if anyone's seen the movie, he that's even one of his lines in the movie is, what's your call sign? Bob. It's palindrome. So it's a reference to that. So then we've got now call sign Bob. And we're looking for Bob on the map. And here's where, this is what I loved about having the hive mind I'm looking at the map, and there's nothing registering. There's nothing on there that's, like, triggering a bell. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. It's got to be Bob. And then, I don't remember who yelled it out, but someone's like, oh, there it is right there. Bob's big I think it was my, my, my brother's girlfriend, maybe. I, yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah, exactly yeah, no, who, you're who right. yelled she it did. out either. Yeah, but ex- right. exactly, it was, it was everybody had to throw in something on this one together to get to the end point. Yes, but the thing for me that was so frustrating, and I never could have solved it on my own, is because in Michigan, growing up in Detroit, we didn't call it Bob's Big Boy. We called it Elias Brothers, because that was like one of the company's like founders who had bought it. So they're always called Elias Brothers Big Boys in Detroit. I had never heard of Bob's Big Boy. It was like a West Coast thing. So I would never have been able to have solved that puzzle and, it, and that's why the hive mind is so important to have all these different viewpoints looking at the same puzzle to solve it. It has a lot of escape room appeal to it where, you know, the, yeah. everyone's working together and contributing. But, man, it's all – it's really tricky stuff, and I, I loved every minute of it. And I, I keep going back and wanting to um, – <laughs> wish we could have solved a couple of those other ones that we were so yeah. close on. But, man, it was a great time, and I, I loved every second. I can't wait for for next year's. Yeah, the the uh, it, again, it was it was it was just the the uh, the picture, like the the logo or the kind of like the drawing of a Boggs Big Boy statue. Because they used to have these giant twenty foot tall statues in front of the restaurants. Right. I don't even know if the youth today know what a, what, what Big Boy is, <laughs> exactly. unless they've seen Austin Powers. Maybe they they might know that reference. And uh, yes, the youth all familiar with with Austin Powers, a movie that came out. <laughs> Right. It's almost 30 years ago. <laughs> right. Well, it could uh, be a classic for them. Sure. Days. No, it, was, it was fantastic. You know, Eric, two things that caught me off guard about the whole thing was, first of all, I had never been running around in the desert before and running around <laughs> at dark. That caught me off guard. I was not expecting to be so rocky, and I didn't know how ankle twisty uh, prone the the desert is. I, I don't know how 20% of those contestants aren't twisting or breaking an ankle every year. There must have been at least three or four times where my ankle buckled out on a rock. And I'm like, oh, man, this is dangerous being out here in the desert. <laughs> again, so it has escape room vibes. But again, it's like you don't – like in an escape room, you say, all right, I think this is the solution. And the guy in the, in the, in the thing says, yep, that's correct. Here, you don't say, I think I got the solution. You drive – 15 minutes to get to the next location to see if you're correct. Yeah, I, and I wasn't expecting the distances to be that far, too. I didn't realize how big the Phoenix area is. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, if if you take a, a shot at basically an answer and you're wrong, you have just wasted 15 minutes there and possibly 15 minutes back. That's right. that's a killer in that when you only have 
five hours to try to solve up to 26, which is impossible, 26 puzzles. But <laughs> Right. But uh, yeah, it's the, the <laughs> I try to be clear ahead of time, make sure everyone's wearing, you know, good shoes, long pants, because also it was a very cold night in uh, in Phoenix. You know, people, I think, I guess, have this expectation that the desert is, is cold at night, and it, it can be, and it was that night. Yeah. That's not always the case. There are other nights where it's, it's it's you know, especially in the summer, where it's still warm all night. The part of town we were in is only kind of half filled in, so a lot of areas with no streetlights, and, um, you know, a lot of stickers, a lot of cactuses. We're running around rocks and pits. Yeah, it was it was nuts, man. Arroyos. So yeah, um, but uh, well, you know, welcome to the desert, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a whole new experience. So, last thing about the treasure hunt is is um, we barely got in. It's getting more and more popular. Um, I guess nerd culture is taking over. Uh, they only accept ninety six player teams, and uh, this year the uh, registration filled up in less than ten minutes. Yeah, and that's uh, which is, is just insane. But people have been teams have been doing this for decades and uh it's it's a ton of fun and it's it's a it's just it seems like a weird phoenix kind of thing that i've never heard about anything quite like this anywhere else and heck i didn't even know about it until an engineer (laughs) friend of mine you know wanted to join it was like hey eric knows a bunch of weird stuff let's get (laughs) involved (laughs) and and then final thing this year the theme which really didn't relate to really any any of the clues in spe- specifically, but the theme was CSI. So uh, it was a good year for Glenn for you to have your, your first experience with this, oh, with the CSI theme. Yeah, for sure. All right, so before we go any further, Glenn, uh, why don't you talk about some of the classes you have coming up? Sure. Well, I'm really excited to say that I'll be going to Canada for one of my first classes in 2023. I'll be in Calgary teaching with John Black And we'll be teaching an exclusion sufficiency course that's going to be March 6th through the 9th. That's a four-day course. So if uh, you're, especially if you're Canadian, uh, we'd love to to see you there. We don't really get up there very often, so it's a rare opportunity to get a chance for us to uh, come up there and teach. And then in the U.S. in April, I'll be teaching the ACE-V course, the Advanced ACE-V course, And that's a five-day course, April 17th through the 21st. That is in Houston, Texas. And then finally, I'll be in Seattle, Washington with Carrie Hall and Brendan Max. We'll be teaching our courtroom class, Practical Answers for Challenging Questions in the the Courtroom. That will be May 1st through the 3rd in Seattle, Washington. If you're interested in any of those classes and other ones, please go to ronsmithandassociates.com today and register for those courses. All right, Glenn. So we've got some some recordings that we made at the conference, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the IAI conference, you know, only only half a year late. But um, <laughs> you mentioned it before, we've got a little bit of a hiatus here. We're kind of trying to get back into things. It's definitely been a, a challenge now to keep on a steady cadence. Um, but you know, After the conference wrapped up, then... I had to jump into the uh, IDEMIA Users Conference, which was a whole lot of work getting everything ready to go for that. And uh, but that was a, a great time. Saw you again there. Uh, thank you for, again for coming out for that. Yeah, and that's great. Uh, got to hang out in New Orleans. It was my first trip to uh, the Big Easy, and uh, had a blast. You had never been there before. Oh, huh? No, I've I've been to well way back in my pre forensics days. I had made it out to Lake Charles and. Now, with Idemia, I've made a few trips to Baton Rouge, but never down to New Orleans. So, well, who, I, who would have thunk that one of your first times in New Orleans would have been at a goth bar in New Orleans, <laughs> hanging out with us at a goth bar? That that trip, man, especially that night, right? So I was, man, I was working my ass off. I, there were a few nights where I was up till past 2 a.m. trying to get stuff ready for uh, for presentations. and Yeah, don't forget to tell uh, the, the record that Carrie broke. Record, the record that Carrie broke? Yeah, the Guinness World Book of Records that she broke there. <laughs> you might have to remind me. My, my brain might have just been fried into not remembering. Well, I mean, as you were kind of leading into this, you were running wild because there were so many people that had registered for the conference, more oh, yeah. than was expected and more than was basically originally prepared oh, right. for. Oh, right. Yeah. The, the <laughs> so yeah, we had some... Um, 
some workshops where, you know, I mean, some of them were lectures where it's just come to the lecture, but some workshops are, you know, register ahead of time. And one of the big challenges was the, uh, there were so many people that had registered for the, uh, these workshops, like hands-on kind of stuff that the conference organizers ended up, I think, doubling up the size of the room. So, uh, all the tech guys had to scramble to double up the number of computers that were going to be there. And with the hotel to find a room big enough to house twice as many computers as expected. And then I think Carrie ended up having more registrants for her verification class. It's been right. a couple months now than we've ever had an Idemia conference for a single class. Yeah, I, the record she broke was the most students for a law enforcement training course or something registered you know simultaneously because i think her room was supposed to have 30 computers but then they had 60 computers and then they were putting two to three people to a computer plus maybe even some online people that might have been registered so she had something like 130 i think people in a in one workshop going live like in a live workshop that was i think one of the other things that was a live workshop yeah we didn't have any. We didn't have any online at the time at this one, but oh, okay, yeah. But but it was definitely a a challenge to. I mean, you're basically setting up a temporary APHIS system on the fly with fifty workstations, right? Yeah. I mean, even even large state agencies sometimes only have two or three actual workstations, <laughs> right? Right. And this is fifty, right? So it was it was just nuts, and then making sure everything was set to go. But after getting all that set up, there was finally a night where I'm like, all right, <laughs> whatever I've been able to do is all I'm able to do. And the conference is almost over, so time to get out and see some new of New Orleans. So we found a, I, I found Glenn at a goth bar, and then <laughs> we, we had some sort of... The math checks out. Which was amazing. And they had, um, they had some Iron Maiden beer. Then we went to, to another bar that had a light up. New Orleans kind of uh, souvenir thing. It was all very gaudy, and the food was amazing. I love Cajun food, so I, I was. That's it's one of the best weeks and most stressful and busy weeks ever. <laughs> you did well, though. You did really well. Needless to say, we've been pulling our our hair out trying to get everything, keep up with everything, and uh, that the, the podcast has definitely suffered in the meantime. But yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about the IAI conference finally and, uh, and then get into some of these clips that we recorded there. Right. And again, reassure everyone, we have a whole bunch of things that are, have already been recorded. We're editing now and some things coming up here. So we're actually, we do actually have a bunch of episodes that will be dropping here. Yep. So a conference in um, Omaha, Nebraska. And I, mean, I haven't been to Nebraska in, since I was a kid, but... You know, you don't think of Omaha in in quite that way, but man, there we had a good time traveling to you know, getting out to some of the bars and and karaoke and and um, they had those these weird like antique toy shops that had all sorts of you know crazy kitschy stuff in them and and uh, Omaha was a fantastic host. If anyone skipped out because they're like, oh, Omaha, you know, whatever, you know, middle America, and you guys missed out because it was it was a great time. And it was the first year we had the Double Loop Podcast booth at the IEI conference. Right. That was a whole new experience for us. And again, the listeners made it possible because we had some excess funds that we wanted to, didn't, you know, we had bought a bunch of equipment and some software and some things to kind of help, but we had some leftover funds and we thought, you know what? We could kind of effectively give this back to the IAI by getting a booth and sort of reinvesting in the IAI, not trying to make any profit for us at the IAI, but just have a presence there and just be able to do something cool with that with the IAI vendor hall. And it was a big success, right? We had, I mean, both Glenn and I were busy during the week and couldn't man the booth really, but um, uh, you know, Becca, our who now runs figs and our social media stuff. Uh, she came out to run the actual booth and we had a whole bunch of merch set up and we had, we had one design. <laughs> it was the, the tip design. So go on to, you know, our, our website, wpodcast.com and to our merch store to see if you can find the tip design. 
that I think sold out in what, like a clinic, like an hour? Some sizes were selling out pretty quickly, and uh, we were just taking online orders and delivery after probably after a couple of hours, but definitely that first day. I mean, things right. things are crazy. Everyone saw the shirt design and they went, "Oh, okay, I got to get that. That's way too clever." <laughs> so now we got to think of some. Well, we'll, we'll we're gonna we're gonna do it again next year. We're gonna bring that design back and then um, find some more designs that uh, that will catch on as well. And uh, we're excited, right? It, it was it was a I think a great way to talk with some people that have been listening for a long time. Yes. Let people, some people know about the podcast who've never heard about it before. Yes. And, uh, I'm still surprised sometimes when we run into somebody who's, who's never heard of our podcast, but it still happens. Yeah. Uh, And I'm, I'm surprised when I run into say a parent who uh, has been listening to the podcast. (laughs) 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 Right. Uh, it was, it was a great time and a great week. Uh, so, we, we also then, and what you'll hear here in a minute, is uh, you know, Becca uh, did some recordings of people at the conference getting some kind of thoughts on what they were seeing that week. Yes. And uh, a quick plug, too, for the II next year. Uh, one of the clips is with Mallory McCormick, mm. who is, I believe, president of her... It must be present uh, of the Chesapeake Bay Division, and they're hosting next year's IAI conference, basically in Maryland, right outside the DC area. So, uh, a little clip with her talking about some things to look forward for next year, which uh, we're planning to do another booth, as you said, next year. Yeah, no, that's that's going to be uh, another great time. Uh, oh boy, we're we're now in the kind of slow time for conferences. That's definitely a sigh of relief for me. Uh, I think I did six or seven, seven or eight conferences last year. And uh, whew, yeah, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Uh, I love conferences, but I, I have also found out that I, I have, I guess, a personal limit on how many conferences I can do before. <laughs> I just, I just, I can't, uh, I just can't, uh, you know, do anymore. But no, I'm really looking forward to, to that. I think. I think it might be my first trip to Maryland, you know, other than other than a, a layover in Baltimore. But uh, I can't, I don't think I've been to Maryland before. Hmm. Uh, you know, I don't usually count layovers, but anyway, there's there's a few states still on my list of haven't been to yet. And uh, I've already got Hawaii and Alaska off my list, so uh, the rest of them should be easy. It's just a matter of time. I think I've got four left. Four, Another okay. four or five. And when I was a kid, we went on a big vacation one summer across almost every Western state. Uh, and um, so that those are the hard ones, right? Because they're all far apart, right. no cities. So for me, the big gaps are in the South and the East. So uh, well, I'll get, we'll, get them, we'll, get them, I'll get them knocked out here eventually. Without further ado, what we're going to do is just play some of those recordings. We're just going to play them back-to-back in little clips and just kind of give you a little flavor of some things that we observed at the conference. So hope you enjoy that. Like I said, this is going to be just a little shorter recording for us, and uh, we're, we're just moving into this next phase where we're going to start having a bunch of episodes coming out. We're glad to be back. All right, sounds good. And uh, yeah, roll that uh, beautiful bean footage. Right, I am here with Amanda. Amanda, can you tell us your name and where you work? Hi, my name is Amanda Fitch. I work for the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, otherwise known as the ASPCA. That is really neat. Can you tell us what you guys are doing here? Absolutely. A lot of agencies don't realize that the ASPCA has a forensics division or that we have a ton of services that we can offer to law enforcement agencies in their uh, pursuit of cruelty casework. And that most importantly, all of those services are at no expense to the agencies that we're assisting. Yeah, I had no idea about that before I spoke with you yesterday about it. Um, How did you get into that? How did you end up working for the ASPCA? So I'm the stereotypical kid who couldn't decide what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I actually, I started in archaeology, and then I worked in medical legal investigations, death investigations, and then I was a crime scene investigator. And then I was a latent print analyst, and then I got this random email from someone who was hiring for this position and said, what do you think? And I took, moved my husband and my three-month-old and haven't looked back 12 years later. 
Wow, 12 years. That's that's a long time at one position. That's pretty impressive. So you guys handle basically any crimes involving animals, animal cruelty, that kind of stuff, hoarding? Yes. Um, so we have no legal jurisdiction anywhere. So anytime we're involved with a case, it's at the request of the jurisdictional agency. But we can help as much or as little as needed. We can respond and we we work nationally. We're based in Gainesville, Florida, but we respond nationally. So if an agency needs assistance on scene with a, a large-scale hoarding case, dogfighting case, something like that, or as little as needed where maybe there's just a body that needs to be submitted for necropsy, and they can send that to our laboratory, and we can take care of those services there. And how does one agency go about requesting your guys' services? So we have an email address that is uh, accessible to everybody in the lab. It is avfsc at aspca.org, and that stands, that's short for ASPCA's Veterinary Forensic Science Center. Um, So you can shoot us an email and somebody will respond to your request. Or there's also, if you go to the ASPCAPro.org website. You can uh, search through that website and there's a fillable form where you put what that you're looking for, you're requesting uh, forensic services basically, and those emails will get forwarded to us. That website address reminds me of our accrediting agency, which is ANAB. It's ANSI ASQ Laboratory. It's just, it's, it's too much. <laughs> That's why we <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for letting me interview you. Thank you so much I, for giving me the opportunity to get the word out about our services and how we're here to help agencies with uh, you know, any of their animal cruelty casework that they need. Great. Thanks. All right. So I am here with Michelle. Michelle, why don't you tell us your full name and where you work? Hey guys, okay, my name is Michelle Smith and I work at the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab. And uh, what are you speaking on this week? What presentation are you giving? So I'm actually giving a workshop, the same workshop twice, and it's on um, in, uh, introduction to fingerprint comparison. So it's just a six-hour workshop, but it's actually just like a little snippet of a regular 40-hour class that I teach through forensic pieces. And have you seen any neat presentations or any workshops that have stood out to you so far this week? I know it's only Tuesday night, but you know anything? Yeah, uh, so I've mostly been in the crime scene room when I haven't been uh, teaching. Uh, So I did see a couple of cool case studies so far. So I think we have a few coming up as well. Very cool. And anything else you're looking forward to this week? Uh, You know, all the social events, right? (laughs) Yes, those are always fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, great. Thanks for stopping by. Awesome. Thank you so much. So it's Glenn again here at the 2022 IAI conference and I stopped by the Chesapeake Bay division of the IAI booth and uh, running that booth is the lovely and ever-talented Mallory McCormick. Hi Mallory. Hi what a wonderful introduction. That's the least I can do. I've known you for for a while now and uh, you're one of my favorite people. So tell people a little bit about the Chesapeake Bay division and why you guys are hosting a booth here at the II this year. Hi, well the Chesapeake Bay Division is one of the bigger divisions. So we have Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and DC within our division. Um, And we are going to be hosting the 2023 IAI conference next year in National Harbor, Maryland. I am excited about that. I love seafood and I am very excited to, to get some of that Maryland crab. Yeah, it's going to be a great location. I think that some people don't realize how close we are to D.C. as well, um, being at National Harbor because they see Maryland. So it's a great thing to point out that D.C. or that National Harbor is right beside D.C. So you have D.C., the Beltway, and the National Harbor right there. So people could easily be in the city in like 10 minutes. Or if you just want to stay on site, there's plenty to do. So there's bars and restaurants and shopping and, of course, a wonderful conference that will be going on. So you can easily just stay there and be entertained all week and possibly even tack on a couple of days and hit the Smithsonian or some other museums, which maybe people don't realize, but our national museums are free. I was just going to actually say that, so well done. Thanks for that plug. (laughs) Very cool. All right, and you guys will be obviously hosting the II conference next year. Anything that uh, you know in advance that uh, you guys will be doing? Anything sort of that 
people going to be looking forward to uh, special events or special themes that we can expect? So we'll still be looking into our special events. That's one of the things that we're discussing right now. But you can definitely come to our table and look for some cute swag. We are recognized by everyone for our crab kind of mascot. So we will have a lot of unique crab items that people can get. Um, I've been asked a lot about coins and patches, and those are all things that we plan to have next year. Um, we just weren't able to get them in in time for this year. So we will have lots of unique and adorable things available. Thank you, Mallory. appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, this is Becca again. We are here with Tara. Tara, can you tell us your name and where you're from? Uh, my name is Tara Wiles, and I'm from Norfolk, Nebraska, but I teach in Wayne, Nebraska at Wayne State College. And what courses do you teach there? Um, I was hired to teach criminal investigations, and I also teach intro to forensics, and then I also, um, every semester, throw on something else, drugs and alcohol, um, gangs and organized crime, that sort of thing. And is this for like a major program, an undergrad program? Any? Well, Wayne State has a really great um, criminal justice program. It's all undergrad. They do have master's programs. I do not teach in the master's program right now because I'm actually a student in the master's program. Very cool. And have you attended any lectures or workshops or anything that really stood out to you so far? I know it's only Tuesday, but uh, maybe maybe you did. Uh, well, yeah, I went to um, the first one I went to today was um, photography. When I was working in the field as a forensic technician, I think photography was my favorite part. I focused on that today. I also did um, a 3D scanning workshop, and, and later in the week, there's a blood stain pattern analysis workshop that I'm looking forward to. Very cool. Well, thank you for stopping by. Thank you. All right. I am here with Brianne Breedlove, who was just on a previous podcast. But Brianne, can you remind the listeners of who you are? Yes. Hello, everybody. My name is Brianne Breedlove. I am the owner of Uncover Forensics, which is a training company bringing lots of different courses to forensic professionals in a variety of different disciplines, specializing in the online, on-demand, self-paced format. So you can visit us too at www.uncoverforensics.com if you want to learn more. I also am a latent print examiner and crime scene investigator for about 13 years. So I wear a lot of different hats. <laughs> Very cool. And um, I'm sitting here because we have booths back to back and Brian has so kindly let us open the booth and join our booths together. Um, so how is it going here for you? I know we're booth neighbors. It's great. It's actually going really well. The hall, especially Monday night and even today, has had a lot of visitors to it. I think every booth has been busy, especially on the Monday night beer and pretzel evening. And it's been amazing. I've met a lot of new people from all over the world, really, especially the United States, but it's also other countries. And it's also been really great because I've actually gotten to meet a lot of my students and people that have taken my classes, which has been amazing because with the online format, I don't get to interact with them in person. So I've had quite a few people run up and say, oh, I took your class and it's really wonderful to meet in person. And then, of course, all the faces that you're in this industry enough over the years, you get to know a lot of different people. And it's like a reunion every single year, I, I, whether it's other vendor workers that I know or examiners in the field. And it's just really great to see all the same faces and meet new faces and faces I never got to see in the online format. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely been my favorite part is just talking to everybody and all the different events going on. And uh, after the Vendor Village closes, is there anything you're looking forward to for the rest of the week or sticking around? I am actually spending three days in the vendor hall. As an examiner, I miss all of the lectures and workshops going on for the first three days. So the latent print person and crime scene person in me is really excited for Thursday when I have some open time to actually maybe get to go to lectures and learn new things of all the amazing presentations going on this week. I hear we have a few hundred presentations with I think over a hundred presenters this week, which is amazing. And then also on Friday, I actually get to put the teaching hat on and I give a three hour workshop with Hillary Deleuze. So that was gonna be, I'm really looking forward to that one too really excited to work with Hillary on that very cool thank you for talking to me sure <laughs> all right I am here with Tammy so Tammy can you tell us your name and where you work I'm Tammy Taylor with Spokane County Sheriff's Office forensic unit and uh, what do you do in your work I'm a forensic lead specialist so I'm a trainer I go to crime scenes process um, evidence sometimes and go and do processing on latent prints as well as um, comparisons tech review and training of newly hired um, employees 
All right. And has there been any workshop or lecture that's really stuck out to you that you've taken so far this week? Uh, the one I've enjoyed the most today was um, the one by Alice White on aging and distortion. Ah, very cool. So you saw the new incipient ridges growing into what looks like real ridges and some extra things thrown into prints? Yes, I did. It was uh, a little bit terrifying and fun at the same time. Yeah, that, that basically sums up our job, doesn't it? Yes, it does. All right, and anything you're looking forward to for the rest of the week? Um, I have a workshop on rapid DNA tomorrow that I'm looking forward to and also one on borderline prints. Oh, that'll be good. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for stopping by. Thank you for having me. This is Amber. Amber, where are you from? Uh, Texas, League City. All right. And how long have you been doing this? Two and a half years now. Oh, great. And what parts of fingerprint examination do you do? I do just basic latent print examination plus processing, and then we do crime scenes and other things on the side. And what has been the most interesting thing that you've seen so far? It's only Tuesday, but what have you seen so far that, that caught your eye? Actually, this booth, um, there's been some like cute little knickknacks and things like that for forensic examiners or latent print examiners, specifically for me, that I'm always trying to find something funny and cute to wear out to have people ask me about it, so this one. Very cool. We like to hear that. Um, have there been any presentations that have stood out to you yet? Uh, not presentations, but I took the plantar friction ridge kind of feet looking at workshop yesterday, and that was a lot of fun just to be like, ooh, feet, this is different. This is something new. So that was fun. Very cool. Feet are weird and very interesting. And um, what is the weirdest thing you've ever had to process for prints? Not for prints, but for DNA, we've had to actually someone kind of jimmy rigged one of those old plastic kind of school chairs and kind of like melted a hole in the front of it. And they actually used it for some inappropriate activities that we had to actually process and trying to look for different DNA and stains. So that was probably the weirdest thing that I was like, I don't know if this would be what I envisioned that you used. So that'd be the weirdest thing. That does sound very strange, and I don't know what I would think coming upon that in a crime scene. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much, and have fun exploring the rest of the booths. All right, so I am here with Lars. Lars, can you tell me your last name, your first name, last name, and where you're from? Okay, my name is Lars, and it's Lilienfull. Very hard to pronounce in uh, in English. And I work with the Danish police and National Forensic Services. Very cool. And uh, how was your flight over? Everything go smoothly? It was long, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it went really smooth. Uh, no issues. That's good. That's good. Um, have you seen anything, any interesting workshops, lectures here so far? I know it's only Tuesday, but um, anything stand out to you yet? Yeah, I just uh, witnessed the OSAC uh, where they talked about new best practice uh, recommendations. Found that really interesting. Especially the part that talk about the different minutiae counts that you need for different categories. I think that's uh, interesting, um, knowing Glenn. Um, I don't know how that all fits in the likelihood ratios <laughs> issues, but um, we'll see. But it's interesting. Great. And do you guys think that you might be looking at implementing some OSAC recommendations or you're pretty set in your SOPs? How would that work over there? Well, I think we um, we use we work closely with NC, uh, European Network for Forensic Institutes, and so I think uh, something might be coming up there. But I think uh, knowing Aldo, uh, Mate is also a part of NC, obviously. So I think that it's in close co cooperation with the OSAC. So I think it's something. I think they're close closely related. Oh, that's good. Um, and any workshops or lectures you're looking forward to seeing for the rest of the week? Um, well, um, I don't have anything out of the top of my mind. Um, I'm over here looking at different vendors and ABIS systems uh, because it's quite interesting at the moment. A lot of new tech coming out. I'll take it on the fly. <laughs> well, got it. Great. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. All right. We are here with Ashlyn. Ashlyn, can you tell us your name and where you are from? Hi, my name is Ashlyn Miller. I'm from Olathe, Kansas, but I go to school at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas, and I am a forensic investigation major with a minor in studio art. Very cool, and I see you are here with a poster. you want to tell us about your poster? 
Yes, my poster is called Mag versus Basic, the Epic Showdown. My poster in research is mainly about seeing if there is any statistical difference between mag powder and basic powder to see if one of them has the edge over the other. And me and my mentor, when we first start, started, we both like mag better. So we thought it would have better clarity because it's easier to use most of the time. But we actually found there's no statistical significance between the two. So they're both awesome. They're both awesome to use. I look forward to seeing that. And uh, have you been enjoying the conference so far? You said this is your first conference? Yes, it is my first conference, and it's been amazing. I've had so much fun, and I got a lot of free stuff. <laughs> and uh, have you seen any lectures or attended any workshops so far that stand out to you? No, I haven't. We just got here late last night, kind of, so I'm going through to today, and I've just been enjoying the booths so far. Uh, any lectures or workshops you're looking forward to then? Probably just some of the old, old cold case lectures that they have going on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I am here with Brian. Brian, why don't you tell us your name and who you work for? Uh, my name is Brian Sardock. Uh, I work with SkyBrowse. So we're a platform agnostic drone uh, 3D imaging uh platform. So it's videogrammetry. It's meant to use uh, your existing drone systems, your commercial off-the-shelf drones like DJIs or Autels, any of that stuff. Uh, you fly, you can be in the air for just a couple of minutes and you get a 3D model at the end of it with the centimeter quality uh, or centimeter accuracy. That's very cool. And how is the booth going for you? Are you getting a lot of interest, a lot of people walking by? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's great. It's my first year at uh, at this conference and uh, working with this company. And I think drones are still kind of an unknown for a lot of folks. It's one of those things that they've seen. Maybe other parts of the agencies uh, might have drones already, but the forensics folks haven't been as exposed to it. So we present our platform in a way where they can have their existing program, their existing drone pilots, you know, fly the actual mission to gather the data but then we can offer uh, access for the analyst on the back end to be able to access that data and process it through so I think for some of the people who are scared of the drone flying aspect it can be like drone based 3d modeling for non-drone people sort of um, so I think that kind of takes away a little bit of the scariness because they're not actually necessarily having to learn how to be a pilot get licensed all that stuff if they have existing pilots they uh, they're able to leverage that already so Getting past the uh, that initial like fear of oh we're gonna have to learn this whole new skill like that's not necessarily true so they can work on just the 3D modeling aspect if they want to get into the drones they certainly can um, and we can hook them up with folks who can uh, uh, get them trained on the whole drone side the whole solution of like getting the program up and running we kind of sometimes help people out with that so try to make it as uh, accessible and painless as possible for getting drones on the forensic side yeah I think a lot of people just think of drones as like surveillance real-time surveillance that kind of thing and not necessarily on the forensics data gathering side yeah I mean it's it definitely has a lot of uses there's kind of this this potential in drones right now to solve a lot of existing problems so if uh, an agency has a problem that they're not sure uh, how to fix it they might be able to uh, get a hold of folks who are using drones and say hey is there a drone solution for that the the real-time stuff is something we can offer like it, the, the nice thing about the platform is it's like two minutes flight time. You get a 3D model that's got actionable intelligence. So if you do want to use it for something that's emerging or something that's happening right now, um, you're not going to be bogged down by an excessive amount of setup time, ground control stations, that kind of stuff. You're not, you don't have to set any of that up. You can literally put a drone in the sky and five minutes later you're going to be able to upload and have all of your 3D model in front of you. So if you're using for real-time stuff, you can leverage that, that 3D model and start using it for planning, for visualizing your approach, maybe for seeing how, um, what things might look like from the suspect perspective, like on a barricade. If you, can, if you have the, the known location of your suspect in a barricaded situation, for example, you can use a, a, what we call the POV tool to zoom in on that window or that location where bad guy is and actually look around from that perspective. So you can see that to try to manage your approach, try to kind of uh, shore up your perimeter 
all those kinds of things. So there's a real-time aspect to it. But at the same time, if you want to slow it down, take a longer flight, spend a little more time in the air, maybe take multiple uh, sky browse uh, flights, you can use it for a lot more on the forensic side. Thanks for stopping by. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me over. All right, Glenn, that's all the clips here. Thanks for uh, you know editing all those together. Thanks, Becca, to, for recording all of those. And for those of you that we saw at the conference, you know, great to see you. And uh, for those of you that we're going to see in Maryland, I uh, can't wait to see you guys. Oh, and, and those that bought a T-shirt, too, thanks for the support. Uh, Absolutely. A little bit of that does go back to the podcast, too, so we appreciate that continued support. And thanks again to the listeners and the Patreons. It, it really means a lot to us, and uh, we're just well, we're, we're glad to be able to provide these. And we, we do, we really do wish we could do more of them. We do want to promise you we do have a, a bunch ready for so if you have any questions for us, you know, please email uh, eric at rayforensics.com or glenn at eliteforensicservices.com. Go you know, head to our website, doubleloopodcast.com, for you know, the, that merch store and then also all of our, our episodes. Uh, if you are able to support us on patreon.com, you know, please do that. We definitely appreciate that support from uh, everyone that contributes. Yeah, even a dollar or two actually really does make a difference. And again, really, really does lets us help you know fund becca to come to the iai and fund a booth at the iai and merchandise and all these other things that we're we're trying to be able to do equipment upgrades and software upgrades and website stuff and server stuff that all all adds up and we do appreciate the opinions expressed uh, on the uh, the show are those of the speaker not necessarily anyone that they might work for and with that uh talk to you guys next time Bye, everybody. Have a, have a good week, and Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Thanksgiving, New Year's, everything that uh, we may have missed at Halloween. Hanukkah, Halloween, Kwanzaa, exactly. Diwali, you, you name it. Bye, everybody.